Welcome back, Inebriate. Uh, this is Andy, as always. And I'm a little flustered. I just got out of work, so I'm just trying to feel like I'm running around like a crazy person. But um, today we are joined by Catherine Silver. Silva. Jeez, man. Like, that's why I always ask. <laughs> I always screw it up every time. Uh, Silva is the last name. Uh, <laughs> author of a short story called Orchards, which is a sequel to The Wild Dark. Is that the best way? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so welcome to the show, Kat. Um, Thanks. I am so, excited to be here. I, I suppose the easiest thing to start with is what is the wild dark? Is, is I feel like I want to call everything a cinematic universe and I blame Marvel yeah. for that. But I mean, I mean, like, to be fair, <laughs> that's that's what all of us are trying to do in some form or another is is create our own uh very fun cinematic universe maybe not fun you know in horror uh, it's well, terrible it's frightening for us it's fun um yeah. you know for the reader it's it's it should be horrifying and and a little scary at least but um so the wild dark is a it's the first in the wild oblivion series it's um basically the idea is that it's about an ex-cop who is trying to survive a an apocalypse that's happening and the the apocalypse is taking the form of a forest that is like taking over the world um it's kind of gobbling up civilization and um and along with it a bunch of ghosts have reappeared to a percentage of the population not everybody but um the majority are are starting to see people they used to know and and that just throws everybody into a panic and um so she's trying to survive the apocalypse while she's seeing the ghost of her dead partner um and that's where the story launches and orchards is a continuance from the ending of the book uh and it's it takes place from the point of view of her of her friend, her ex-partner who's dead. Um, and it's like a, it's sort of like a weird short story with poetry and some little drabbles and some really stark black and white photography thrown in. Um, it's just weird, I guess, is the, the launch. Well, I'm very intrigued by the idea that the forest is causing the apocalypse like you know it's funny because people always it immediately made me think of like fast and slow zombies yeah you know like how can it be slower than zombies oh trees uh so how does yeah how how does that work um so every time i've 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 actually wanted to start this project for a long time and i think when it was when the idea sort of circulated the first time it was like i wanted ghosts mm-hmm. i wanted i liked the idea of these ghosts coming back and sort of uh messing with the population as a whole and in doing that i've always had uh i've followed that sort of like supernatural thought that uh there is a limbo realm mm-hmm. that is kind of that between the afterlife, between heaven and hell, it's like where people uh, end up who have the unfinished business or they're just not uh, ready to move on. Um, they don't really 
go one way or the other. And this limbo has always been a forest for me. I, I just have always pictured it as a forest. It's not a nice looking forest by any means. Uh, but when, when I was thinking about, okay, these ghosts are going to come back. How are they going to come back? It was as, okay, this realm is going to start seeping into our reality. Um, it's, it's like a wall has broken down and this forest is now just taking over. Um, and it's taking over everything. It's like a, Sometimes it's a slow progression. It happens overnight before you mm-hmm. even realize it. You know, the road is totally uh, eaten up and there's trees coming out, bursting out through the pavement. There's twisted uh, signs everywhere. Um, just sort of the, the echoes of what society had been. Um, and then along with it, it's not just a forest. It is a purgatory realm. And there are... Uh, it has its own landscape. It has its own nightmarish things that are coming through along with all these trees. Um, there are some soul eating wolves and we'll call them wolves, even though they're, they're not really wolves, um, but they are creepy and scary. And there are other nefarious entities that exist in that realm. And there's crazy uh, scary architecture that also is coming through. So it's it's like a blending of these two worlds uh, that's happening. And as the series goes on, I want it to just get crazier and crazier. And I want us to fall away from the things that we're familiar with and get further and further into that purgatory realm. You know, we're going to leave behind the world that we know and just dive in. Where did where did the inspiration for that come from? I mean, it, it's I love like post apocalyptic anything, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an interesting like I don't think I've heard of one where it's kind of like it's a blending of you know basically the afterlife and the life kind of existing in, in the same space. Um. <clears throat> well, I think it, a lot of imagery from films and TV shows and um, books and art has really inspired this idea. Um, I, I honestly, I think the film that really set it off for me was it's a Robin Williams film and it's, Oh, is it one the, of one his where, more... uh, the one where he like runs into his kids in the afterlife, that one? Yes. Oh, what is that called? Um, it's called uh, What Dreams what, May Come, yeah, I yeah. believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that one. Yeah. Just that film was so good. Um, and I know that, you know, the, the novel that it's based on is very different. Um, but I, I fell in love with that film. And the depiction of hell in that film is fantastic. I'm trying to remember. Um, I remember it being very like... <clears throat> Weirdly, I remember the very like bright, happy parts of that movie. I don't remember yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty disturbing. You yeah. know, there's um, the idea that his uh, wife commits suicide, so she is resigned to hell, and mm-hmm. so he goes to hell to try and find her. Um, and the, you know, there's a scene where he's like stepping on all these people's faces, like they're they're stuck 
in the ground. Yeah. Um, yep. It just, yeah, it's, it's eerie. And I like that eeriness. I like that. Um, okay. This is maybe not the time for you to scratch the bed. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> that is my cat lemon jelly. Uh, um, lemon jelly. Lemon jelly. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I liked uh, the idea of maybe exploring that a little bit more in this book, but it, you know, there's no uh, beautiful trees with painted colors and, and glorious uh, cities. It's, it's all, I want it to just be all kind of dark. And, um, and there is a, a Legatian feel that I want to insert more and more as we uh, go into the next, there is a follow-up book that I'm currently working on um, that will have more Legadian themes. Those sort of just like things seem meaningless and feel uh, morally gray and um, pointless. So. Uh, so it's a feel good book. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You're going to feel golden after yeah. reading it. I mean, I will, I will say it is not going to, it's not going to be one of those books where you just read it and then like sit in a corner and cry for five days. Um, it is sad, but I don't, I also don't want to uh, cause extreme depression. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, for me, it's, it's um, I don't know, it's the, the one that did that to me the most recently is black mirror. Oh yeah. It was just too close to home. Like I still haven't watched the last installment. I think it was like a movie. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but just cause I, you know, it came out like right before, right during COVID. And I'm like, I'm just not in a good headspace to like, yeah, that's the other that. thing. Like, I, I think COVID has, has caused a pretty big resurgence in horror, um, which is awesome. And, but it's also, you do sort of have to be aware of that idea that like, it's been a really dark time for a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. and you, if you do go kind of overboard, um, it's, it might not be, uh, well, it might not be everybody's cup of tea anyway, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, uh, more than anything, I just don't want to cause, uh, more hurt, I guess. Do you the, think some? Do you think something like COVID has kind of steered the horror where prior to COVID, I feel like it was zombies, zombies and more zombies mm. and just the idea of like disease and contagion. Not yeah. awesome right now. So I feel like yeah, I can't no. remember of anything being zombie ish right now. I feel like, well, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, horror, I think, moves in cycles anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly the pandemic uh, contagion disease horror is, nobody wants to read that kind of stuff, or at least a lot of people don't like to read that kind of stuff right now. There, yeah. There is definitely um, some like, eh, there. But, um, but like anything, it'll probably come around again it'll it'll swing back oh sure um, yeah but but what's interesting too is like there is a point in the wild dark where um people don't know what's going on you know these ghosts are just suddenly appearing and people are assuming that it is some kind of 
uh, disease or some kind of like virus that is affecting people because they don't know what to think. Um, mm -hmm. and, and a supernatural reasoning is not necessarily the first thing on someone's list. So, um, so playing with it and, and sort of using it as a like, oh, maybe it's this, but it's not actually this is kind of fun too. So what was it about horror that got you interested? I mean, was it, I, I suppose I should ask that, was it horror that got you interested in writing in the first place? I, I think I've always had an affinity for dark stuff. You know, I, I've loved uh, vampires and um, Halloween and <laughs> witches and ghouls and goblins and everything um, since I was a kid. I, um, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I will say early references are certainly, I, I saw Jaws probably before I should have when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Um, you know, I used to love reading about apex predators in third grade and, and thinking about like, oh, sharks are cool. You know, tigers are cool. They can rip a man in half, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, um, and I, I don't know, that just kind of stuck with me. Um, and 10 years ago, I wanted to write a book. I wrote a vampire book. That was my, uh, my thing then. You did know, they sparkle? I, they did not sparkle. <laughs> no. In fact, I was very, very inspired by Buffy the Vampire Slayer as, mm -hmm. as just a medium for curating great vampires. I thought that that show did a very good job. Um, and so I wanted, I think I wanted something more on that, more that speed, uh, not sparkly. And the problem with my timing is that sparkly vampires were very popular when I published my book. Yeah, so yeah. it did not, it didn't, it wasn't what people wanted um, at the time, but uh, I did just redo all of those books. They all have been revamped, as it were. Um, that's, that's the <laughs> new editions are the revamped editions. Um, and I have those three got revamped and released two months ago. Um, and I have another book that will be coming out in two years for that series. So nice. So where where do you... I mean, you have you've built this world, and you have short stories and, and other stories. Like, where where do you seek out inspiration for the the actual what's going to happen? I mean, you have the world that's built, but obviously, there's a story that happens in that world. Now, is it you know kind of do you, do you look for like those classic you know um, story arcs you know coming of age or you know or are you looking for more like personal type storytelling? Like where is your inspiration from? Well, I, I am very, um, I fall in love with the characters I create and they are the ones that tell the stories typically. Like once I have a character, um, their arc is, I just kind of follow along with it, mm -hmm. I guess. It's weird to say that because it makes it sound like, I've got some multiple personality stuff, but it's, it is like they have a voice and they are an entity that needs their story told. Um, 
So I, I knew when I finished the wild dark that Liz, who is the main character, her story was not done. And I wanted to at least write one more book with her as the main character, because I knew that it, it needed a conclusion. So plus I just love writing her. She's a fun character. So going into the next book, I wanted to speculate, you know, I, I think we're done in this time period. Let's jump forward. And so we're jumping forward 10 years in the next book. Mm -hmm. and that also brings with it the evolution of this apocalypse to a point where now we have um more dystopian fiction and and i like that too because that is a little more of a world building aspect for me you know we're less we're out of the world that we know and into something that has kind of its own rules yeah and So it is going to become a little crazier, a little wilder. Um, And there will be more characters that will enter the fray who people will hopefully fall in love with and want to see their stories uh, more. And as I was like, as I've been writing this series, I, I have been thinking like as a full uh scope like i wanted to write shorter stories that were from other characters points of view characters that we like meet and then lose um what what happened to them when this situation starts like what how how did they react when ghosts first started appearing and i had plans to do like a short story collection surrounding that um which has not happened because time is difficult. It's so difficult to find time to work on things. Oh, for sure. Um, sure. But, uh, but someday I think I would still like to, to go back to that. Um, I really like that you were saying how when you were talking about writing the characters themselves, almost that like you're more listening to the character than writing for them. Um. I started in COVID lockdown, like everybody I had to have some sort of new hobby to keep me occupied. So I did start writing a little bit and it was never, I've always had story ideas, but never felt that I could write. So I'm like, Oh, let's give it a try. I have nothing else to do. And um, I, I kind of get it. Cause it was, it wasn't so much of thinking, Oh, what do I want them to say? It's more of, well, this person would say this in that instance. So it is kind of them kind of speaking through you. And and the way that I, I had trouble writing one particular character because all the other characters I had kind of cast with actors. So I kind of had a voice already. And I I really struggle with this one character. Is that something that you do? Like where you kind of been like, Oh, I want that to be George Clooney or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much like first priority. As soon as I've got what they look like, what they sound like down, then they're, it's like free reign. And and I feel like that's easier because then it, it's almost those, you know, the actors kind of have a way about them where you, you're like, 
they would say, you know, this, and, and they do kind of speak for themselves. Yep. And as the story goes along and that character sort of grows on you and you, you learn more of what they'll do in situations, um, it becomes easier and easier to write them, which is always fantastic. Um, makes it harder to leave them when you're, you know, ready to move on to the next thing, but it is a lot of fun. When you're mentally casting your stories, are you more apt to go with big A-list people or more like obscure? I, I saw this guy in this one show. One time. <clears throat> Pretty much the, the obscure, you know, I, I, um, I watch a lot of TV. I do watch a lot of movies and, and when certain people's mannerisms and, and voices uh, stick with me, mm -hmm. I will, I don't know. I, I can pull on that. You know, it could be years later after I watch something and I'll be like, oh yeah, this guy is exactly like this guy that I saw in a, this TV series this one time. Um, and occasionally I'll go back and watch it and just kind of be like, yep. Uh-huh. Vibing. Okay. And then mm -hmm. got it. Um, and other times it is like, ah, this very well-known actor in this very well-known role is the, the catalyst for creating this character um one that that i absolutely love is the main character of my vampire series um whose name is torrent which is a very weird name um but he is david tennant as doctor as the tenth doctor yeah and, and i pull from that every time i write as him and and of course he's sort of gone off now and and got a few mannerisms of his own but that was where that whole character sort of sparked from did you ever worry about being like too close to the the source material like oh people are gonna no. know that's doctor who no because if if i had written a a sci-fi book about you know an an immortal who's traveling through time uh in a blue box. Yes. Yeah. If, if it was like spot on. Um, but there's enough differences in the source material where it's like, yes, technically he is an immortal, but he's a vampire. Um, he's also a lot darker, um, a lot more callous than the original character that this is pulled from. Um, there, there do have to be some differences but it's also like, yeah, he's become, he's sort of become his own character through writing the novel too. And you go back and you fix things and, um, and mess with things. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a weird evolution when you're now, working with a character. When you're writing, how often do you send it to someone else to kind of be like, Hey, read this over. Tell me what you think. And like, do you have specific people? Um, I always, you know, anytime I, anyone asks me about whatever they're working on, I always, the first thing I say is, do you want my honest opinion? Mm -hmm. And it usually sets them off like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. This may not be all good. Um, and I think that's the best feedback is when it's not all good. You know, the people who just kind of yes you to death is, is not. Yeah, helpful. no, you're 
absolutely right. I, I value just straight feedback. Um, if I can get it, I am notorious. I have been notoriously bad about sending stuff out. Like when I started my writing journey, I was 21 and I live in Maine. There are a few horror writers here, but they are nowhere near me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they're all fairly like they're, they're all more successful than I am too. Um, and I didn't know any of them very well, uh, at the time because I was afraid of doing the, the networking. So I really haven't networked with authors until like last year. Oh, wow. Like this is, this is still a fairly new thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I will, like, I, I do have writers who are friends that I have met um, through doing a few shows with, like, the New England Horror Writers. Um, but I, I never really felt like I was close enough to anyone to, to like, <laughs> try and throw my work at them and be like, hey, could you guys read this? Um, and And now, because I spent the necessary time connecting with people on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, even TikTok at this point. Um, I have a really fantastic group of people that I, I feel like I could send things to and, and get an opinion on. Um, and I got to do that with both the wild dark and orchards, which was great. And I hope that that just, continues it's so it's so tough because it's you know i find it's weird i find photographers don't fall into this but with like visual (laughs) artists and writers what you're doing can be so personal Mm. you know I, i don't know if it's the immediacy of photography where it's like click and you have an image i don't want to I'm really not trying to like crap on photographers because I have a lot of good <laughs> friends who are photographers, but like click you're done where writing and visual art, you're really spending a lot of time on one piece. Um, again, I'm going to get hate mail or well, something from photographers, it's, but <laughs> it's, it's tricky. It is yeah. tricky with photographers though. Cause I, I do have um, a few friends who are photographers as well. And there is definitely something to be said for um, you know, composition lighting. Um, and, and then if you are going in and editing after the fact, which there certainly there is a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can, it can certainly be um, an art form. Of course. That, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that yeah. it's not, and that's why I'm, I, I don't think I'm doing a particularly <laughs> good job. I think it's that. <laughs> Um, the amount of time that you can generate an image is much faster where if you want to, if the lighting is wrong, you change the lighting, click, you have another image where if you are writing a chapter, that could be a month and then you have to go back and rewrite it. If you're working on a painting, it could be 20 hours and you have to go back and change it. 
and again, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job with my photography friends. I apologize, <laughs> but um, it, it, it's just, I, I feel like the, the artists or painters and drawers and, and writers I've met have this weird, they can love and hate the same piece. If that yeah. Makes any sense. Yep. Um, where I just haven't experienced that with any photographers. I mean, I feel like photographers are like, Oh, I, I like this piece and it's finished. And there's not like, well, that one arm is not the right proportion, but the rest of it I like. And do you, how, how do you kind of, I suppose that the, let's get off the photography thing. Cause I'm <laughs> crapping all over. This is bad. That was, I just went down a, the wrong road, but um, so when do you call something done? Are you, hundred percent happy with it when it's done. Cause I feel like that's not a real thing to do. Um, I'm so I think it's fair to say that I never feel like I'm a hundred percent. Okay. With something. I mean, I, I, I never feel like something is a hundred percent, I guess is, is the nice way of saying it. And that's because I know that there are things that I can always improve on um, because the writing writing books is a learning process always. And it always should be. I never want to feel like I'm at a point where I'm writing something that I am a hundred percent feeling great about. If, if I'm writing something and, um, and I feel like I have captured the story. Uh, like I, I am, I'm telling the story that needs to be told. Um, and the characters all have fitting ends, whatever they might be in the story. Um, that's my, that's just sort of the first thing. Um, in terms of like, editing and layout and everything uh like editing is one of those things that i will eventually become a skeleton just sitting at the computer <laughs> like because i can spend so much time editing a piece and feel like i've i'm not done mm-hmm. and the truth is i probably am not there's it's just there's so many things to look out for. Um, and that is at a point you do have to just like give it to somebody else um, to find the things that you might be missing. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I look at the wild dark and I, I know that I could have used more concise language. I could have um, spent more time uh on language choice uh i could have spent more time fleshing out certain characters i could have spent more time on the ending and but i also recognize that like at this point in time in my life this this book is is an accomplishment and i i think i did the best of my ability at that time 
And I hope that the next one will be even better because of all the things that I learned when I was doing that book. <laughs> um, I can I mean, only hope that it just keeps getting better and better as I go along. I mean, I mean, that's kind of like, I think the real drive behind anybody is to improve on their last work, which can be really frustrating because you can do work 10 years ago that you really liked. And then, you you've grown and then you go back and you look at it and you're like, Oh dear God, please don't <laughs> watch and or read or listen or whatever it is that you're doing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's always so tricky. It's just, that's why the creative person I think is fascinating to talk to. Cause it is that combination of, I love this piece. Please don't look at it. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that's why a lot of people redo their back catalogs too. A lot of people are republishing their back catalog stuff to improve upon it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's good. Um, you know, I, that's part of the reason I redid the Monstrum Chronicles, the vampire books, because, you know, I'd look back on those and be like, Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, there's some mistakes and there are some, uh, not only are there mistakes, I am dating myself with references. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I went back to the first book and I read through it and the character is using a personal data assistant, like a PDA. And yep. I was just like, what? Why? <laughs> there were phones that could have handled this back like at that time certainly smartphones have gotten better but yeah. goodness let's get that out of here it, it, Just... it's so it's so funny because that sort of thing can uh make or break anything uh i was talking with a, a, a stand-up comic friend of mine and he was uh opening for a well-known comic in the Boston area and he's in he's a boomer you know and it was a very boomer crowd and he did a joke about uh COVID and the variants and uh made a reference to like Pokemon he's like oh I feel like Ash Ketchum <laughs> and it was crickets and <clears throat> it yep. even took me a minute to be like what and I'm like oh it's a Pokemon thing and I had to be like I'm like, I don't know if it's that room. He's like, oh, I killed with it like two nights ago. I'm like, I feel like that is a very specific audience that you're you're aiming yeah. that joke at. Yeah, that's a millennial yeah. reference there. Do, do you kind of think about like, I mean, the PDA, obviously, when you're writing it at the time, that made sense. But do you kind of try to think about that now? Do you learn from that where you're like, OK, I can't. You know, am I making a Twitter reference in 15 years? Will that make sense? That kind of thing. Yeah, it's I mean, I I think what I've learned from it is that if I am going to really invest in the idea of this existing at a specific time and place, I really mm -hmm. need to bleed into that more um, so that if it is, you know, when when time does move on, um, people realize, OK, this does take place back in you know, 2010 or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, that's like Stranger that Things did that really well. <clears throat> they did. Yeah. They really yeah. did. Um, 
And um, so that's, that's just um, part of it. Uh, and I, I think going forward, a lot of my projects are very time specific. So I'm, I'm trying to be better about, about either making them very much like, okay, we are in, you know, 2021 or we are in uh, yes. 2010 and not, not be ambiguous. I think there's even a point in that novel where there's a pocket calculator involved, like a, just a random pocket calculator. And I had to go back and change it. And I was cringing the entire time being like, people read this. <laughs> pocket calculators are like one, of my, fa- one of my favorite things. Cause I, I remember, our, me. but I, I remember our, you know, my science teacher in high school, my science, my math teacher in high school, always being like, you're not always going to have a calculator on you. Yeah. And I'm like, I have the sum of human knowledge on me at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Forget a calculator. Um, it's, it's just interesting. And it's, it kind of, that's, I think that's probably got to be one of the biggest struggles for like science fiction authors. The second you put a year on it, I mean, look at <laughs> escape, escape from New York to, supposed to take place in like i think 98 or something like that yeah you know it's once you put a date on it you're you're you put like an exp- an expiration date on your work kind of yeah yeah science fiction uh i i also that there's more at stake in science fiction uh too because you've got uh technological advancements and um and that just sort of <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's kind of fun too, you mm-hmm. know, the uh the idea that well, what was it? Uh Blade Runner, I think, was one that was supposed to have just passed or was just yeah like 2021 or something like that. <clears throat> yeah. And um and sort of like, oh, but so you know, by this year we were supposed to have flying cars. Where's my and... flying car? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. always flying cars. Yep. Yeah. So do you write or are you interested in writing anything other than horror or is it strictly horror that interests you? Um, so I, I do have like when I had to brand myself, I did say that I wrote dark fiction mm-hmm. and, and I did not want to limit myself to horror because I like the idea of writing a little bit of everything. I have written a comedy in a like just random moment i needed to get away from writing dark stuff and so i wrote a romantic comedy and that one did great uh, <laughs> and it's a wonder i i was gonna write a sequel to it and i might still do it someday but um and i like writing that because it's a very different kind of writing um but as it stands i also just love writing dark stuff so I probably will continue to just stick to horror or horror adjacent fiction. Now, um, you being from Maine, are you welcoming or reluctant to the Stephen King comparison? Like, is I mean, it a, is it a main thing to want to write hard? It's no, I, I well, so Maine, Maine is actually a very writer heavy state. It is, it is a, oh, an extremely okay. writer-heavy state. Um, there's a joke that you can't throw a rock without hitting a writer in Maine. 
Um, and we have an organization that's here called the Maine Writers and, and uh, sorry, Maine Writers and Publishers Alliance, which is, is like a literary organization that, that helps writers in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very cool. Like just they, um, and it, if anything, <laughs> there are actually, I think, more crime fiction authors in Maine than anything else. Okay. Um, Everything's true crime now. Like, Everything. yeah, mystery mystery writers in Maine. There are so many. Huh. Um, and I think that's probably the dominant genre. And and the the horror writers that are from Maine, a good majority of them are inspired by Stephen King. Uh, it's hard not to be. He's yeah. he is just a phenomenal author. He's and, the scary Shakespeare. I mean, yes, it just. Um, but I will say that I think that a lot of Maine's horror writers are also doing some really cool, innovative different things too um so it's it's um you know it is kind of hard to to shake the the stephen king name because he is so prominent and so prolific and he's known for being from maine but uh i think a lot of that is because he based all if not most of his stuff in maine so a lot of stuff why it makes And it's true. A lot of it is just, you know, their towns in Maine are small. A lot of people know everybody's name. And, you know, there's just there's weird, creepy houses and buildings and um, odd shit going down. There's not a lot of stuff around them. So it's easy to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to believe that, you know, a scary clown monster could be killing off kids in a town and people wouldn't really notice. You know, it's just that is Maine. Is there so you've done kind of a ghost post-apocalyptic <clears throat> story, you've done vampires. Is there like a, a horror trope that you are are eager to kind of like get into, you know, be it zombies or um so the the one i'm i'm working on a couple of things right now and one of the things i am working on is a uh cursed i I will call it cursed objects because it is it mainly does surround the idea of cursed objects and i've dabbled with it a little bit in a previous novella that i wrote but this is like a follow-up and it is kind of that like cursed objects haunted house type Mm-hmm. horror which i do really enjoy um reading watching and writing so that's like my the thing that i'm currently really excited about and then beyond that hey i just i hate to say it but i'm going back to the vampires there's just something about vampires that draws me in uh they seem to be one of the most popular that kind of, I mean, you said it, you know, it kind of came and went, but I don't think vampires ever like really went away. Like they were definitely huge in the eighties. Yeah. And they, they have phases, I guess is the best way to put it. Is there a, 
particular monster other than vampires that piques your interest? Um, someday. And I, I have to be very careful about it, but someday I would really like to write a shark horror novel. Um, cause I love sharks. Yeah. Um, the, the issue there is that, um, you don't want it to be corny. You don't want it to be like all the, you know, hundreds of shark horror movies out there. Like we just watched one the other day that was called Noah's shark. Uh, oh yeah. Cool. I heard about that. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, um, Oh, there's a you, podcast I listened to called uh, God Awful Movies and they reviewed it. Nice. And, yeah. and they kept being like, isn't there supposed to be a shark in this? Yeah. Well, the shark um, is in a puddle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In a puddle. Yeah. That's what it was. <clears throat> um, but uh, so there's, there is that like you don't want to be super corny, but you also don't. Um, I also don't want to infringe on the idea that like sharks are scary uh terrifying just man-eating horrible creatures because they're not and that is that happened when jaws came out when the movies came out and isn't that one of the 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 writer's big regrets it is yeah and and so like writing a shark horror that does not portray the shark as that stereotype mm-hmm. is going to be very difficult, but I still want to do it someday. So write it from the, write it from the shark's perspective and humans are the yeah, spirit. I mean, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, that's uh, I, I do love jaws and it, it's, it's such a, a great film even though the special effects don't hold up awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of those things that made people scared of the ocean for a long, long mm-hmm. time. Yep. Um, so where can our listeners go to find your book, purchase your book, find out what you're working on, all that stuff. Um, so uh, all of my books are available through online resources amazon barnes and noble um indie bound uh if you're if you want to support a local bookstore which would be lovely um you can always order it through your local bookstore um i typically have signed copies available through my website which is at www.catherinesilvaauthor.com and the only one i don't have at the moment is the wild dark because I did just update everything. So mm-hmm. the second printing of that will be coming in September. Um, they all have blackberries and Nokia phones. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I mention any phone models. Right. Thankfully. Uh, but, um, but no, no, just a, you know, a couple things to, that needed a little bit of fixing. And, and now the, that new version will be out uh, very soon and I'll have copies available in September then. Um, And I think only there's uh, orchards is only available on ebook. That Mm -hmm. is the only thing there. It is not a physical book. 
Um, it is only 99 cents though. So if you're looking for a little bit of spooky poetry, photography, you know, that is, that is available. Outstanding. So, uh, like I said, this is our 301st episode. Um, we've been doing this for a little while and, it was, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, I was kind of thinking about the show and what it's missing. And, uh, you know, I listened to Sawbones and their sign off is don't drill a hole in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to listen to the Nerdist and it was, you know, enjoy your burrito. Um, and I realized we have no real sign off for this show. So I decided Aww. that I'm putting it on the guests. So oh, uh, no. send us out, give us some advice, come up with a sign off line, whatever comes to mind. Uh, send us out. Oh, man. Um, wow. Totally that is putting yeah. me on the spot. Oh, I know it totally. Wow. 100% is putting all <clears throat> on the spot. Um, well, oh, I'm going to come up with something lame. This is <laughs> terrible. Ah. Let's see. Um, I, I guess I'll say don't get lost in the woods because that is my that is my signature when I sign copies of The Wild Dark. So uh, don't get lost in the woods, kids. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.